Good evening. And Mary Elizabeth, thank you so much. Amen. Let's honor God. Honor Mary Elizabeth. Thank you. Well done. That's the first time I've been, I've heard about her and her talents. That's the first time I've been able to, uh, to uh, experience her leading worship. And that was great. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 is where we'll be. If you've noticed, if you've been here on Sundays and we've been in Ephesians for, for the entire month. And um, if, uh, God has just kept us here. And so for the next uh, three Wednesday nights, we're going to be looking at a sermon series called Smart Home. Where uh, we're, we're preaching to the family, and tonight uh, we're uh, going to be talking about wives being submissive. So, <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, <laughs> we really will get there. I just thought, you know, they tell they tell you when you speak, you should lead off with something that's like attention grabbing. And anyway, I guess that shows where our heart is. The silence uh, got no way men's from the men, which is smart. I got no way men from the women, which means we've got some work to do. No, I'm kidding. There I go. All right. Uh, we're actually going to start in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, we'll read a couple of verses of, of Scripture to you to kind of set the stage for uh, a smart home in our series and why we're doing it this way and what we're teaching from. But Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And the Bible says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Lord, I want to just pray again and thank you, Lord, for bringing us here tonight. As has already been prayed, we pray that you would protect us. But Lord, we ask that you would purpose us for your glory. And uh, Lord, open and close doors as we need them, and we thank you for bringing us together again tonight, Lord, as we all would freely admit that we need your word. We need to hear from you. And I pray, Lord, that our minds and hearts will be open to the scripture. And, uh, Lord, that you would lead each of us towards a closer walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. These two verses are, are spoken with the resurrection in mind. The resurrection of Jesus is significant because it secures real hope for us for eternal life. If we are in Christ, then we will have heaven based on who he is but there's more to it because the resurrection is also significant because that means that because jesus has defeated death and then that makes him authority over everything he becomes the tip-top authority over all things because he has exerted his power over everything even over death and so at verse 22 says that this authority that jesus has over creation is is for the good especially for those who believe in him. For those in the church, his authority is good for them. So the lordship of Christ in our life and over the church benefits those who submit to him, but it is the detriment to those who do not. A, a smart home, by definition, is one where, how many of you have a smart home? Anybody? Where you've got, okay, good deal. A few here and there, some of you not sure. Uh, we're not talking about like IQ and ACT scores. We're talking more about devices in your home. A smart home, by definition, is one where different household devices are hooked up to the same network. And while those devices are individual all around the house, they are connected with each other, and they can be accessed by one central point of power. 
So if you have a smart home, many of you may have this, and I know a lot of them do now, but when you walk into your house with a smart home, you can, through the central location, central point of power by your phone, you can adjust the climate, turn on the fan, turn on the lights, or turn them off based on the network and them connected together, but also connected to the power. In the church and in the family, or I would start with just in the church and just in our church, when Jesus, the source of power, is acknowledged, when, when we hold together Jesus at his proper place as Lord and Savior, as head of the church, when he is acknowledged by everyone here, from leader to new member and everyone in between, when he is acknowledged as over all of us, then we function together well. Goodness, we like each other most of the time. When, when Jesus is king and we've acknowledged him as Lord over all and he, he runs the ship and we serve him because we have a single authority that is over us. And because we do and because we recognize him as such, that brings unity to our body. We all know how to think about each other and how to deal with it when we don't think kindly of one another. We know where we're going and in what direction as we follow him. You see, this, this is the opening message for the family. This is the opening message for all of our homes because if we want to live and operate on the same page inside of our homes, we have to function by the same power. If we are not subjected to the same power, we'll all still have function, but we may just not function together. And somewhere I read that a house divided against itself will not stand. And so as God has brought, you think about what God has done to bring unity in the past. As God has brought Jews and Gentiles together, those that were exposed to everything of God, those that were not, uh, those that were uh, had, had believed and known God, those that were Samaritans that had different beliefs and they hated each other. And as God, under the blood of Jesus, has brought them together, functioning for the same purpose and glory, God can do the same thing for our homes when we're not acting right. Do the same thing for us. And he's in that business. So because of his authority, or, or because of his authority, as we think about his unity, when you follow Jesus and he is your similar point of power, Jesus is going to call you to say you're sorry. He's going to call your other half in your home, your kids, if they are subject to King Jesus, he is going to call them to the carpet to say that they are sorry for us to admit when we are wrong. And he's going to do that not just for the husband, but for the wife. His authority is going to direct us to deny self and endure suffering. His authority is going to direct us to, to love even when we're offended. His authority is going to teach us to honor one another. So if we have the same source of power, we will function not as individuals but together because we are all subject to the same authority. And this is why we need to pray for our kids to be saved. Amen? This is why we need to, the scripture talks about in Timothy, we just need to read the Bible to them. As, as Timothy learned the scriptures and got saved, we need to read the Bible and trust God and pray that they would also come to saving faith because then our homes will be on the same point of power, networked together. So for any member of the family here tonight, the truth is, is for all of us, we can either bring unity to our home or discord, and it depends on who is over us each moment. Now, this is where we move to Ephesians chapter 5. God is authority, authority over homes. We move to Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, the subheading in, in my uh, translation is spirit-guided relationships. As the Holy Spirit has been highlighted in chapter 5, and now he's moving from general instruction to the home. going to speak to the home. 
and he gets to uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. This happens before we actually ever get to the house. And the scripture says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he is building on what has been an instruction to live by the Spirit's power. And he is transitioning to the family. But before he deals individually with our roles, he says, one to another, submit to each other. Submit to one another out of reverence for each other, or reverence for the Lord. The last couple of weeks, I've heard from a, a few people in our staff, a few people in the church, that uh, they, they choose and even pray over a, a single word for God to guide them sort of by that word that reflects a principle in their scripture, in the scripture. And so I've heard different words uh, throughout the week. I've, I've um, Anything from like peace to endurance, uh, patience, like these biblical words, and they're clinging to that word for whatever may come to them in 2022, right? Like this is the thing that we're going to think about, a single word. And the beginning of our passage tonight is going to give you the presentation of a single word, submission. Is that anybody's word? That's what I thought. Like this is this is the theme of Ephesians, the first half of Ephesians chapter five, or the last half, or the first half of this passage, which is submission. What do you think of when you think of submission? When I think of submission, I think of an MMA fight, for better or for worse. Right? We all know what that is, even if you don't watch it. But I think of uh, where basically you are being torn from limb to limb or forced into some sort of hold where you are suffering to the point to you tap out to submit. Like, that's, that's the submission that we think of. We don't want to, but we will because it hurts us and we want to stop hurting. I also think of Pinochle. Does anybody know what Pinochle is? I have a friend here from, from Clements High tonight and uh, probably didn't play Pinochle with Maurice Pryor because I'm sure he would have put me to the floor. I didn't like playing that game anyway because you, you, this is where you lock hands. Would anybody like to demonstrate? I'm kidding. But this is where you, you lock hands and you try to just bend somebody else's wrist back to the point of where they're like, stop it, right? And I was like, this is a crazy game. I don't want to play this game. But you suffer to the point of where you give. You submit under suffering. This is not a willing suffering. This is not a glad suffering. And yet, this is what the scripture calls for in Ephesians chapter 5. This is why nobody likely chooses submission as our word for the year because we associate it with everything that goes against what we want to do. And we associate it with pain. And, and, and submission means that we have no control. In verse 21, the scripture ends one passage to the church and begins another to the family with the idea of being submitted one to another out of reverence for Christ. Why? Why would Paul say to the church and then to the family, let me bridge the gap with submission. Why would he do that? One of, those, one of the reasons why is because that's proof of the Holy Spirit in us, the desire to be submitted unto Jesus. The other part, families, is because it's for our benefit. Submission is to our good. Remember what we said in the beginning? That it is to our good, that he is Lord over the church and it is for you. It is for your benefit. And the word meaning here for submission is ranging or determining yourselves beneath. You've been thinking about it being for your good. And the two examples that we mentioned, even the kid game where you're bending each other's wrist back or an MMA fighting, submission is what? It's for their good. You need to give so you don't die, right? Like that's, that's a good thing. And, and so what it is by definition is ranging or determining yourselves beneath. Determining ourselves beneath who? One to another 
out of reverence for Christ. So it's speaking to our attitude within the church and within our families as it makes that transition. So this is a, a proper recognition of authority within the authority of structure of church. Yeah, you could read that and say, what is it speaking of? Is it speaking of more towards there are leaders in the church, that's how God's ordered it, and you need to be submitting your life to them as they lead you. Well, there, there is some truth with that, but that's really not what we're talking about here. It's not about operating within military relationships, not in the church or in your family. Where you see someone or someone views themselves as another rank above you or you see them as another rank above you and you do whatever they say. Like that's a fun relationship, isn't it? Like I have to do that because they outrank me. No, this, this refers to each believer having a lowliness of mind. If you were taking notes, that, one, that would be one that I'd tell you to take. A lowliness of mind is what God's word has in mind when it speaks of submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, it could be perceived that the most spiritual person in the room is one that raises their hands during worship, ones that quote multitudes of scripture, those that have never missed a day of church. Those would be seen as the most spiritual people, and and that may or may not be true, but what I can tell you is true is that a certain result of the Holy Spirit in our lives is found in our demeanor, in our disposition. What do you mean by that? When we have someone in front of us and we make them feel important, That is submitting ourselves to one another as unto reverence unto Christ. It also means that when we have matured to a place where we don't have to dispute somebody, we have grown to this place where we are considered of one another to be submissive to one another out of reverence of Christ where we don't have to be right. Now, we should think about that in the context of the church, but we should also think about that in the context of our families. That if we are submissive to one another, I don't have to win the argument. In fact, I can just lose it. Boy, we all love that one, don't we? And it's a true, it's true. When Brittany and I are, are sometimes, we're, we're at, I'll say, we're at our best when we are considerate of one another. We're at our worst when we want to win. When we want to make sure that the other understands why they're wrong and why I'm right. Like that, but, but as we grow, a, a definite Mark of the Spirit of God is a desire to be submissive one to another, which gives up your rights, and even, even to the point of where you're offended and you lose. I said this before, but I, I really believe, I think it was uh, Billy Graham's wife, is, it, is that Ruth Bell Graham? She said that uh, marriage is a union of two forgivers, and Brittany and I have taken that even further in premarital counseling, which is to say marriage is a union of two losers. You learn how to lose, you'll, you'll have a better marriage because of it. But that's a work of the Holy Spirit when you give and you submit out of reverence for Christ. This also speaks to a a growth in gentleness and humility and restraint and submission to one another. These are unmistakable marks of God's Spirit. And with the proofs of God's Spirit, there's going to be better days for your home. When when becoming a, a church member or family member, you are entering a gathering that is more people than just you. No matter what your personality, no matter what your stature, I remember, I remember a guy in college, and I won't call his name, but I remember a guy in college that said, when I get married, she's going to be on my time. And he mentioned his name, and he said, his name time. And I was old enough to know that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, right? And I think we were in college, I wasn't even close to being married, but I thought to myself like, Lord, have mercy for your wife, like whoever that is. 
he's not even married, so um, I'm just kidding. He, he actually is married. But, I, but to think of that, that sometimes we take that mindset in, that because of who we are and our mindset of, of what we're going into, you can't enter into a marriage like that. You can't go into a home like that. You cannot come into a church family like that. Sometimes people come into church and they got all the answers and ideas and everybody's like, man, we've been working on this for years before you got here. But, but often because of our flesh, we, we will think that we have it all together. When you come into a certain situation, when there are other people, whether that be church or your home, it does not matter your title, your personality, or stature. God's Spirit is leading us to a submissive attitude one to another. Why? Because the Lord knows that we'll thrive out of this situation. If we will all be, have this attitude of lowliness of mind towards one another, we'll listen more. We'll actually hear more ideas than one. We'll contribute and, and, and all these things. That's, you know, you may say tonight as we think about, you know, being submissive of mind as we read the scripture, further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I bring this up on purpose because a lot of people know verse 22 that says, wives submit, your husbands, submit, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. But that preceding verse is submission for all of us. An attitude of submission for every single one of us that's in here. And so when we talk about this in the context of the home, some of us may think, well, that's fine. You know what? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll submit as soon as he does. I'll be submissive. As soon as she's submissive, you can catch me being submissive. That's what I'll do. Well, that's usually past the point of I tried, and you're reaching the point of I quit when you get to that place. Yeah, you, the truth is, if you're making that statement that you're waiting on them to be submissive so that you will. It's probably in your experience that you've tried to be submissive. you tried to have that low of mind attitude. And you're probably right. You probably do deserve to be treated better. But if you are still together, if you are still together, holding out or holding a grudge is not God's way for you to have a smart home. And it does not reflect the glory of God. Holding out, holding a grudge, if you do this, then I'll do that. All these conditional statements. Let me ask you something. When we sin against God, does God withhold his grace from you? Does God go, we'll talk about this later? Does he do that? Does, does, does he give you a cold shoulder when we sin against God? Does, does he make you feel and manipulate and all these things? Or does he just give it to you because that's who he is? When we sin against God, does, does God go numb and be distant? And there's like this time period that we have to wait until God gets over it so that we can call on God. Or does, does God just, just help us in our time of need? It, it really does hit home when you think about it like that. Then you may say, well, yeah, yeah, but if I'm honest, I don't respect him. Or the other side would say, but if I'm honest, I don't love her. Well, do you respect and love Jesus? And that sounds like a really religious, spiritual, snarky way to say it. But the reason I say that is because Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And one of the new commandments of Jesus in the New Testament is to love one another. Here's the last part of this. To love one another just as I have loved you. Your love cannot be feelings-based. It has to be faith-based on what Jesus has done and what he has said. So just as Jesus has loved, that is what followers of Christ are to do in our homes so that we reflect the glory of God, and it will be for your good as it benefits the church. And you may even say past that, yeah, but this is extremely hard to do. Can anybody say amen to that? 
Maybe you shouldn't. But yes, it is absolutely hard to do. It's hard to pull this off. But this is why God tells us where the power comes from in Ephesians chapter 5. If we find ourselves in this situation where we know we are to be submissive one to another and have a lowly mind, be more humble, be more gentle, but we just don't know how to muster up what we do not have. That's great because in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21, the Bible says you don't have to do it on your own strength because you can't. As it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That You don't even have to do it because of them. You do it because of the Lord Jesus. As God is trying to keep a home together that he brought together under a covenant relationship on that wedding day. This is not all about just husbands and wives. We'll get to do some, some different things. But this is where the power comes from. Out of reverence, in the fear of. This is to suggest that, that you don't have it, so you have to get it when it says out of reverence or in the fear of. To, to put on a disposition that you don't feel. When you don't feel like being submissive to one to another, then you have to go get that reverence because that's where the power comes from to keep your home together. And not just to keep it together, but reflecting for the glory of God. I share too many personal stories, but here's another one. I did not get to clear this with Brittany before, and usually I do, so here we go. I love you, and you know that. All right. We got a dog for Christmas. And I could show you pictures, but I don't want to because I didn't want it. I don't like the dog. Um, I was adamant that uh, I did not want this dog for Christmas. Uh, So my wife and kids decided that they wanted a dog for Christmas. I said, absolutely not. I mean, like many times, absolutely not. It was a clear no for me. And then three days before Christmas, I'm surprised when I walk up into the attic looking for another gift to find a dog kennel and dog bed. Did y'all hear me? Three days before Christmas. I'm talking about three days. We're almost there, all right? When I walk up in the attic and I find this dog kennel and this dog bed, I mean, like, it flew all over me that just a couple days ago, I was like, here's a five-point bullet list of why we do not need a dog in our life. This is early in the morning as the kids are off and I'm coming into work. They're all asleep. And my flesh says, everybody get up. And we're about to have it out right now as I will not have a dog at this place. That's what my flesh said. And, and thankfully for the Spirit of God as, as he was like, just get to work. So I left it. I was like, I'm just going to go to work. I went to work. I came here and I studied that day for, for Christmas Eve and for the, the Sunday that followed. And at, no joke. As, as I st- I, this is not anything that has to do with my own willpower or how good I am. The Word of God brought me from here to here. It brought me off of the, I'm going to burn everything down. Because <laughs> I don't want a dog. To, let's talk about it. So, um, I, I went home. And uh, when I went home at lunch... Brittany's uh, there, and she's sitting there, and I, I sat down beside her, and I said, um, I want you to look me straight in the face and tell me, are we getting a dog Are we getting a dog or not? Just like that. And she smiles, and she's like, what do you ask? And I'm like, why do I ask? Because there's a kennel up in the attic and a dog bed. Like I was, you know, that's when I got back in my flesh. 
But the truth is, seriously, that, that morning, that morning, I truly wanted to flip everything over and be like, I said no. What did I say? I said no. And you know all the five point, bullet point reasons why. But, but it, took, it took the Lord getting my attention again to bring me back to a place where I thought about why my wife would do this, how my kids would feel, I know how I feel, and all these things. Look, our old nature calls for selfishness every time. It will not call for submission. And as we have looked at this in the scripture for the last two Sundays, because our old nature will not call for selflessness, we have to defend and put off the old nature so that the new nature can actually be presenting attitudes that are Christ-like. One of those is to be submissive. And this is found in our new nature. And that's why we got to talk. <laughs> no, but this is, this, is, this is found in our new nature. It's found in our spirit. And I find myself daily now seeking the help of God to deal with this puppy. I hope that helps you, though, seriously. Because I, I did realize that in my own life. That I, I need the spirit of God to take me from where I'm unbearable to uh, I can live and my home can be wiser. What happens in a lot of cases is instead of going to get submission out of reverence for Christ, we decide to get selfish out of pleasure for self. And the more times we do that over time, our relationships will be far from pleasing unto God. And God desires a submissive servant. And that's not just women. God desires a submissive servant from both men and women because that's who he is. Because he became sin who knew no sin for, for the benefit of us because Jesus served at the will of the Father because the Son of Man came to serve and not be served. Like that's who Jesus is. So he desires us to have this lowliness of mind attitude towards one another, especially in our homes, so it reflects his glory. Submitting to one another, this was a good quote that I read this week. Submitting to one another doesn't mean everyone submits to everyone, but everyone aligns themselves to God's sovereign order in all spheres of life. Now, let's get to verses 22 through 24, and we'll close out the evening here. For wives, this means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband, somebody said, for a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. Now, now here are some points of perspective. We're, we're likely to pick back up here again uh, the, the following week, but I want you to catch some points of perspective as, as we dig into this real quick. First, the idea of submission, as has been mentioned before, goes against every fiber of our nature. More than likely, and I, I have never in my whole entire life heard wives submit to your husbands as something that has been a joy, it's always been a joke. It's, it's always been the thing that people joke about when they talk about getting married and the one that they bring up. It's always the, the, the one that, that women will even joke about, like, yeah, I'll tell you what, like that, I've always heard it as, not as a joy, but as, as a joke. Why? Because it goes against everything, even men or women, doesn't matter. It goes against everything, every fiber of our old nature. But in fact, for ladies, it says, the scripture says in Genesis chapter 3, after the original sin, and you, speaking to the woman, will desire to control your husband. It's there. Likewise, the idea of love 
is also affected by our nature as well. I bring that up because as the scripture says, wives submit to your husbands, the scripture goes on to say, husbands love your wives. Well, the idea of love is also affected terribly by our old nature. The old nature's way of love is to get everything that you want, hold out when you don't. The, the old nature's way of love is, is to, to give and receive based on the purpose of, of personal satisfaction, not selfless sacrifice. And if, if both the husband and wife are living within their new nature, and remember what the new nature is from our study in the last two Sundays, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. If we are putting on our new nature, submission and love looks completely different. No longer is it a joke, it's now a joy. Because we see it in the light of God's word and who we were created to be. And, and also, if we, if we see submission as submission from wives to husbands or one to another, when we see it in the light of our new nature, which is created to be like God who gave us this and to be truly righteous and holy, there will not be such an arrogant rejection to no person will rule me no matter what. Nobody's going to have authority over me. Or that other arrogant conclusion from the husband of, I am the ruler. Did you hear what the Bible said? You see, those conclusions are out of the old nature. It's not out of the new nature. When you hear it out of the new nature in the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you will at least ask, what does he mean? Right? Second thing to consider is this. The idea of submission is not without context. First off, submission is preceded by an entire passage, an entire passage before this verse. Don't just read one verse, read around it. Amen? When you study the Bible. So as you look into the passage before, it just got finished talking about living by the Spirit's power. Where the husband, to be included with everybody else, and your husband's status and wife's status is not excluded from the Bible when the Bible's talking to the church. So it's just finished speaking to men and women alike to do what? To be wise, to be a witness, to be mindful of God, to be sober-minded, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be a worshiper, to be thankful so when the scripture has your husband in mind as the head of the wife, it is not without that instruction for him. It is not without that expectation for him to be all of those things that God listed before that. So sometimes we have this thought that, well, God wants the woman to be submissive to the husband. Well, did you hear what kind of husband he wants him to be? Because if you did, then you will look at submission in a completely different context. Our world today hates verses like this. Can't stand them. Because it's old nature, it's narrow-minded, and, and you know they would look at it and say, this is minimizing the strength of women. It's not about minimizing the strength of women. It's really not. It's about two people working together for something bigger than themselves. But it's, it's this. When we hear, we start thinking about ourselves, we're not even thinking about our family, not about our kids. We think about what we want to hear, even from God. But all of this that God is saying, it's like God is saying, did y'all even hear what I just said before? I didn't take any of that off the table. All of that applies to submission and to love. So the idea of submission is not without context. Another point of perspective is this. Each of the roles listed, listen to this, each of the roles listed within this section are wrapped up in the connection to Christ and the church. As Paul makes the connection of submission and love and what that should look like as it compares to Christ and the church, there's a bigger meaning for why he is saying it. E even bigger than, than husband and wife and marriage. 
He's not doing this so he can play a trump card to force you to go along with the idea. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. You have to. Like he's not playing a trump card. No, it's because our roles in our home help us understand our submission to Jesus as a member of his church. The the husband-wife role, as we carry it out, as God has ordained, helps us understand what it means to be submissive unto Christ ourselves. Helps us understand what it means for God to love us unconditionally. That's why he makes the comparison this way, because that covenant relationship is so important. He compares it to Jesus and his bride, the church. The purpose is is this, order, it's unity, it's forward movement, so the man and woman should learn and live to be contributing members, members of the family and the church. There's a holy, loving leader and a willing, joyful servant follower in this plan. So as a a challenge, as we really begin to start this study, I would just say this, don't, don't be so wrapped up in you. Don't be so wrapped up in you, like the way that you feel. Would you, even by faith, even if you don't feel a certain way, would you even by faith hear God out? I mean, he is God after all. As one author said, listen to this, every well-ordered society rests on two supporting pillars, authority and submission. Every well-ordered society rests on two supporting pillars, authority and submission. And as you even hear that, sometimes when we hear that, you know what we hear? We see again submission as weakness. So what do you make of Jesus the Son submitting himself to the Father? Is that weakness? Or is that getting something done? Because it's one one and the same. If you see it, well, well, how come the wives have got to be submissive? Then you're going to ask that about how come the Son has to be submissive to the Father? As God is setting this up to actually get something done. Roles that are given are not deeming strength and weakness. It's about achieving order. We've talked about this before. If everyone, I want you to think about this in the context of something that's bigger than us when we're a part of an organization, any organization. I had a guy text me last night. Our, our kids are playing ball. Guy texts me and said, hey, man, he's sick. I don't think he's going to be able to play this weekend. I'm an assistant coach, but guess what? I'm not the head coach. He says, is he going to be able to play? And I said, I don't know. I'm not the head coach. But I'll try to get an answer for you because I don't make that decision. I'm subordinate to the guy's authority. Now, what I can do is I can buck the system and I can tell him, and that's, guess what I have to do then? Then I have to go back and deal with him and deal with him, and there's a lack of communication. So the pillars are built on authority and, and submission. If everyone made decisions, we would go in 100 different directions. And if nobody made decisions, we'd never go anywhere. So you see how God has has set this up. God gives order to the institutions of the church and the family because when there is humble obedience in the structure, the institutions accomplish their purpose and those within those institutions are satisfied. Man, I, you know, when, when Brittany and I are clicking good and we're talking and communicating and she says, what do you think? And we've done this over giving before. She says, how much do you think? And I said, I think this. And I said, how much do you think? She says, I think this. And I said, I really do think this. She said, well, let's just go with that. I don't want you coming into my home telling us that's not working. You don't need to come in our home and try to mess that up for the sake of what? God's put that together so that family will be generous. So that'll reflect the glory of God. I don't need the world telling us that, no, 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 no. You don't need to do it like that. How come? This is what God has, has put together. I, I, we, we can, we'll get more into this, but I think every man here, 
as we talk about the value of women in our church, I think every man here would cringe to the suggestion that women should not take an active role in the home. Every man here would be like, well, let's don't do that. Well, as your pastor, let me say this. Let's don't do that in the church either. For, for anybody here to say, let's don't let women take an active role in the church, you're going to miss half the ministry then. We'll reach half as many people. There will be people that come through those doors that I cannot minister to effectively, but the ladies here called to ministry can definitely do it. Like, so, so that's not what I'm telling you is this is not what God is saying. Well, one is weaker and one is stronger. So to go along with that, I realize that God gave to women many characteristics that are superior to that of men. And the same from men to women. This is why it's, it's complementary in the home and in the church. But with that, the woman's role of submission is not because she's of lesser value. It's because simply of a greater plan. At home or a home where the husband and wife serve out their God-given responsibilities. And when they do, it's a great witness and a light in our world and to their children. Amen? Amen and amen. Let's pray together and we'll be dismissed. Hope to see you guys back here on Sunday morning. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And I just pray, Lord, that this simply would be digested by us, Lord, in our heart and our mind. Help us to study Ephesians 5. Lord, help us to study your word, to think about it. And more than anything, help us to trust you as we listen. Lord, to trust that you have put this word together for us, for us to hear. And as you said, as we submit ourselves to your authority, it is for our benefit. So I pray that we would figure all that out in our homes, Lord, so that we would be, Lord, four walls and a ceiling that brings you glory. Lord, that our families uh, would, would trust you above any way that we feel and any way the world speaks. I thank you, O oh God, for your love for us, your grace and mercy over us when we get it wrong, because we often do. Lord, I thank you for how you have put together brokenness in our own homes so that we may move forward. I thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus, who covers us by his blood so that we may be forgiven and have right standing when we blow it. And Lord, I'm grateful for, again, your truth that lives on even past what we can come up with. And I thank you, Lord, for tonight. And I pray, Lord, moving forward, I know there's a lot of people that are sick and I know there's a lot of people that are uh, fearful, not knowing what to do in these days. And just pray, Lord, that we would live by faith, not by sight, trusting in you that you're alive, well, and working. And uh, Lord, please continue to grow our church, we pray, for your glory and the good of man. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Have a good evening.